Here we go. You're tuning in to Will Love Listen. Now listen. Hey, Will Lovers. Thank you for tuning in to Will Love Listen. Today, I'll be speaking with World Cup Alpine skier Hig Roberts in this exclusive conversation. Just fresh off coming out as gay, we discuss everything from making 31 starts in the World Cup and winning two national titles to enduring injury, the death of a brother, and mental health issues stemming from cloaking his sexuality. A fellow Pisces born the same week as me, we dive deep on everything. Um, Well, first off, Hig, thanks for speaking with me today. I appreciate you taking the time out. And uh, forgive me for my voice. I'm 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 getting over COVID, and it kind of like uh, jacked up my voice. Oh. oh, I'm sorry to hear that. Oh no, yeah. <laughs> well, I'm doing I'm doing good now, but it's just my voice is still a little bit like um, hoarse. So I'm probably more conscious of it yeah. than anything else. Uh, <laughs> yeah, no, no worries. Glad you're okay. Thank you. And. Um, yeah. the- before I speak about like all your accomplishments, um, I just want to dial uh, go back a little bit. Um, now I understand yeah. you were born in Steamboat Springs, Colorado, and you started skiing very young at two years old, if I'm correct. Yes, um, yeah, it was one of those things where you know my my start on skis is probably you know it's before I can even remember or you know right around the same time I started walking almost in a way. Now, do you come from a family that was very active in the sport? Is that how you got involved so young? Um, actually, no. I, you know, my mom is a, um, she's a Colorado in herself, so she did grow up skiing, um, not in any competitive sense. And then my father was a was a hockey player, um, and uh, you know, before that, you know, my grandpa on my mom's side, he was, you know, he was an Olympic hockey player. So I, we had a, we didn't have any. Uh, sort of family connection to to skiing in the way that you know our family ended up uh, ended up uh, you know uh, getting involved in sport. I have um, you know I have an older brother, a twin sister, and a younger brother, and all of us were competitive skiers um, our entire childhoods and into college. So um, you know it was a kind of an environment thing. We grew up in Steamboat Springs, which is known as Ski Town USA, and it's just kind of what you do there. Um, you know, like our, for, for our PE classes in grade school, we were Nordic skiing. So, um, and then there was a bus that took you right from school to the local ski hill that the city owned. Um, it had lights on it. So we had our ski practice at night and it's just kind of what the entire town did. Oh, interesting. Interesting. I didn't, I didn't know it was sort of known as Ski Town USA. <laughs> yeah, it's, uh, they've sent, so Steamboat Springs has sent more uh, Winter Olympians, uh, American, and and some national, um, some international Olympians or uh, competitors from the Winter Olympics than any other city or town in the U.S. Um, so it's a cool claim, but you know that being said, most of it is in pretty much all of it is in completely different sports than what I did. It's in your ski jumping, your Nordic. Nordic skiing, snowboarding, mogul skiing. So the sport of alpine skiing, the sport that I went was in, it was actually not a very large sport in my ski town. Oh, interesting. (laughs) Yes. Now, at at nine, I read that you competed in your first big tournament, which is also when um, you suffered a major injury. Like um, you broke, like you had to undergo surgery and everything. Um, what was that experience like, and um, how did it affect you moving forward? Yeah, so I mean, it was it was basically you know it was I was still you know young, so it wasn't a huge competition, but I got invited to ski ski up a couple years with my older brother, and um, you know got there and it was a freak accident. I was actually hit by another skier and um, uh, experienced a very um, pretty traumatic fracture of my femur um and you know it was one of those things where i was kind of too young to understand how bad it could have been and and what the consequences truly were but you know in retrospect the the surgeries i went through and kind of that that rehab you know was put to light that that could have been it that could have been not only the end of of skiing but it could have 
you know, really taking me out of sports at a very young age. Um, but ultimately, you know, now that I look back at it, it's, it was kind of a, you know, it's kind of poetic justice because experience that at a young age, especially for someone like me who, um, you know, even up to that age, uh, sports were, were already becoming my life and I was an immensely competitive kid. So it really, you know, put me in a very, uh, you know, underdog position right off the bat, which, which was a position I found myself in, you know, all the way up until my retirement was this fighting position. And it, it just taught me a lot from a very, uh, early start, um, you know, that life is random and, um, you're going to have to work very hard to, to accomplish, uh, your dreams and, and, um, you know, survive in this sport. So, uh, lots of great lessons learned from that. Yeah, I give you I give you credit too because when I was reading up about it, uh, the femur I didn't know it initially, but it's like the longest and the strongest bone in the body. So it yeah. it was like a learning lesson at a young age. Uh, so props to that. It is, yes. Now, yeah. ultimately, I very from that day. <laughs> uh. Well, ultimately, you've gone on to just achieve tremendous success. Uh, Thirty-one World Cup starts, U.S. ski team. You've won two national titles. What was that journey like? Because although it obviously you achieved a plethora of success, um, I also was reading that it was also a depressing time for you because obviously you were struggling with your sexuality and your brother had unfortunately passed away. So um, if you could describe that time period in your life professionally and personally, I'd love you know to hear about it. Because I think it's a good example that, you know, sometimes yeah. how things look on the outside don't match what's going on, you know, in someone's, you know, inside and in someone's personal life. Yeah, no, exactly. I think, you know, that's a big uh, thing. That's kind of a big underlying takeaway from from this story that is, you know, not only relatable to athletes, but to people in general. Is this idea that, you know, what appears to be the narrative is not necessarily everything that's going on. And we're all facing struggles within that. Um, you know, there's there's so many life lessons to learn from from something like this, and and the idea of how you treat people, and you try to understand that uh, you know there's a myriad of, of difficult things in life that individuals are struggling with, and um, families are struggling with. So, um, just important to always keep that in mind. But I, so I would say, you know, in general, my journey to getting to where I did, and you know, having the accolades I did in the sport, you know ultimately following my retirement you know there was there was still a very strong sense in me that I hadn't quite achieved everything that I was capable of I think that my talent in the sport was was never fully realized or I was never fully able to capitalize on um you know all the work that I had been putting in and kind of this uh um this dedication this life dedication to an incredibly arduous and um competitive uh um, just insanely difficult sport, um, which is alpine skiing. Um, you know, very individual sport. Um, you compete for your nation, but you're, you're in all reality, you're truly on your own in a lot of ways. And um, you know, it's uh, it's very dangerous. And uh, as you know, races are won and lost by you know less than a fingernail. And you know, I ultimately missed out on the Olympics by that you know a similar margin to that. So it's, it's heartbreaking. Sport is it 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 beats you down most days. Um, so that being said, I was built the way I'm built as a person was you know was very conducive to going far in the sport in the sense that I was going to do whatever it took to achieve my highest dreams. And you know I will say the greatest thing about looking back on this is that I never thought I would have gotten to the level I did. You know it was always an um, a dream comes true every single time I stood in a World Cup start gate or, you know, uh, to even realize I did win some national titles and, you know, I, you know, at a certain point was the top skier in the country in that event. It, you know, it's a, it's something as, age, as time progresses and I get further from the sport, I will continue to be very fond of. Um, but, you know, from the get-go, I was going to be an underdog. I was a very small kid. I was underdeveloped for my age. Um, and I had to develop different unique forms of skiing to compensate for that. And um, oh, wow. I had to do a lot of work on my own. 
would hide at the top of the ski mountain when practice was over so I could get more runs in and my mom didn't come, you know, when she came to pick me up. I I was always, you know, for whatever reason, being on skis and um, going down the mountain even to the last time I did it, um, professionally, it was always something that felt incredibly right even though I was going through all the the other things that were happening in my life. Um, and so, yeah, my path was very untraditional for your common U.S. national team skier. Um, I kind of, uh, you know, I kind of dripped out of the pipeline at a young age in terms of the traditional development path. And I was a little bit of a forgotten athlete, one of the kind of bubble athletes for a very long time. Um, and that led me into, uh, you know, a crossroads right before college where I had the opportunity to really you know, attempt to pursue a professional career at age 18, but I decided to attend Middlebury College and get my college degree in ski for, you know, one of the better Division One NCAA programs in the country um, with some great teammates. So I decided to do that. Um, but while I was there, I was putting in the extra work to travel on my own and raise money on my own so I could continue competing across the world and lowering my world rank and, you know, hopefully get a, get a shot at racing at the highest level. And, you know, I kept that Olympic dream that was always pretty far-fetched in my mind, but also driving me. I always kept that in mind during this. Um, and then I got that opportunity after a very successful collegiate career. And uh, things, you know, I won't say it took off from there, but things started to, you know, I, I had made it. And uh, I entered this, this this transition period where something that I just simply loved doing and was a passion of mine became a career. Um, and that took some time to adjust to simply just the fact that I was now racing for a country, uh, my country. I was racing for sponsors. I was racing for different equipment brands I was representing. Um, and that was a lot in its own. Um, yeah, it had to be very surreal. Yeah, and then, you know, at this time, too, it became this... Um, transition period in my brain about you know as I've said in some articles I knew from a young age that I was gay that I was different and that I wasn't like the other you know boys on my team or um, and I rationalized that you know pretty precociously well from a young age understanding that you know for whatever reason I had this very gentle feel about it towards myself that it was going to be okay and that it was actually probably a good thing you know it would propel me forward you know I grew up with a twin sister who you know even if it's a you know a twin you know wasn't a twin brother but you know my twin sister she was a top performing junior skier as well and I was pushed by her and I just I I, I realized that um, me being different was okay um, and that I was already different in so many ways that I would figure this out too um, but then you enter, you know, this this world, this very hyper-masculine athletic world, and you, you, you know, you don't really know where it comes from, and you don't really, there's no, there's no source or certain person, at least within my ski federation, where I felt this suffocating pressure that I couldn't be myself, but it's just this overall, it's the overall atmosphere and the lack of visibility from athletes before me in this idea that, you know, you could be a gay man and, you know, one of the best skiers in the country. For me, I started to question that because I thought, wait, you know, like, I'm already like this, I was already an outsider entering the team, going through the collegiate path and um, being someone who just pretty much had to knock the door down myself to get in. And I thought, I, I just don't know, how can I be the first one to, to, to do this, you know, as as someone who's gay, because this world is telling me, you know, ski racing of all the, especially of all the ski sports, and I would arguably say, of, you know, including most all other sports, but definitely in the Olympic realm, it's a sport that requires an immense level of strength and toughness and power. And, you know, I was well regarded for those aspects off the hill in the gym and I kind of started to get a reputation for, um, you know, my strength and just kind of, you know, the masculine parts of the sport that 
um, you know, are celebrated across the world and especially in Europe. I mean, in Europe, I, I, it's hard to it's hard to explain to an American how big this sport is in countries like Austria and Switzerland and Norway and Sweden, Germany, all the places where we are basically all year. I mean, we have 50,000 people screaming on the side of the hill at us and um, everyone, you know, much more people know who I am and my name in Europe than any than anywhere in, in the U.S. Um, and you know, it take, you take on a very larger than life role there, and you're, you know, your racehorse. You're, you know, a lot of those big name athletes are the biggest celebrities in their country, and so it became this thing where I, I began to lose that confidence I had in myself at a young age that I would be okay being different in this space, and started to almost feel like my brain was playing a trick on me like this is all some weird uh, mental convolution that's going on and you know it was certainly very heightened after my brother's death which was a huge blow to to me and my family and you know it, it did lead to a short stint where I you know told myself I can't you know I ultimately retired for a couple months and thought I can't keep doing this I can't leave my family but I got back on my seas because you know, my little brother of all people was the most supportive of of this dream I had. And, you know, I wanted to fight for my family and give them something to cheer for. And, you know, that led me ultimately, I wish it hadn't gone that way, but it truly led me to um, some of the best years of my career. And I, I started skiing for something bigger than myself. And you were able a to very important thing for me. To, oh, no, I'm sorry to be in it. I didn't mean to, I didn't mean to interrupt. I was going to say like it, it seems as though like oh, you're you're, you're able to use it as like a driving force to like you know further succeed. Absolutely, and it became a you know it became a very um, you know I'd say inherently I do have like a a lone wolf aspect to myself where my 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 journey to getting where I did require a lot of me staying up to myself and me just fighting for myself and that's kind of what happened after my brother's death and I learned some things too about where my I learned a lot through the grieving process and through being all of a sudden the kid on the team or the kid at the World Cup who you know people weren't going to talk about it necessarily but I was I was you know in a lot of ways an injured you know felt like an injured puppy to a lot of people. I was a kid who lost his brother and I was going through this, you know, I almost had to closet my grief and this pain that I was feeling off the hill because the space of sports, it's so intense, you know, and and ski racing is the 99, in my opinion, it's a 99% mental game when you get to the top level. What you do on the hill, it's, it's, after thousands and you know hundreds and hundreds of hours of training and preparation, you just rely on muscle memory, but your brain needs to be in the right space to perform. And ultimately, there's no room for a kind of real life moments to get cluttered in there. So it was after my brother's death, you know, I thought about coming out before my brother's death. But after that, I learned ultimately I don't know where this space would exist for me to be all of these different things that nobody in this space has ever, you know, encompassed the narrative of that complexity. And I ultimately, you know, it became so much more difficult for me to understand my sexuality and, you know, denial and fear and um, some bad problems with my mental health started to set in after that. And, you know, I want to be very honest and open and relatable to people on this front is, you know, I think, um, you know, there's a lot for me to say in terms of, and a lot I hope to change the way that sexuality and, you know, masculinity are represented in, in sports, um, but also with mental health, you know, it's a, it's a, it's a very common problem that especially 2020, you know, I think, more than ever we're all related we can all relate on this feeling of isolation and and difficult times but i i started to um completely devolve into um you know spouts of depression and anxiety and um things that i never thought i would have to encounter or face um and 
and it was just very, you know, and on top of it, I, I, I was constantly plagued by this idea of I'm not being honest with myself. How do I, how do I continue to, uh, you know, the, the irony of it was, was something that, you know, I will have regrets about because it, this idea that, you know, even on the days where I stood on top of the podium at a national championship or, you know, had incredible breakthroughs, there's almost, instead of being able to completely embrace those moments and feel the accomplishment of it, you know, it was almost a relief. And I almost was surprised. Like, I can't believe I was able to get that done with literally a brain that was on fire. Um, and it, you know, it kind of left this experience a little bit subdued for me. And, um, you know, ultimately there were times too when I was succeeding where I, I stayed away from the spotlight. I stayed away from people paying attention to me because I was worried they would figure me out. They would figure out that I was gay, that I that I was, you know, not one of them. And so it put me in a, a very, you know, unfortunately a hard position where I was pursuing and achieving my greatest dream I could have ever thought of in this space. But also I was, it was a nightmare because I, I couldn't fully realize it. Um, so... You know, it, it's yeah, that has to be. it's hard to say, but you know, looking back, I think with the the mental intensity and acuity you need for the sport to succeed, you know, I can ultimately, uh, you know, make makes an inference here that not being able to be myself and not being able to be just an honest, open person, you know, kept me from my Olympic dreams and kept me from realizing, you know, a really strong raw talent that I had um, so it's it's tough to look back on but you know ultimately that's a big reason that I'm willing to tell my story and wanting to tell my story um, you know I don't think my narrative is more important than anyone else's in the LGBTQ community but I think that it's important to show that um, you know even in these in these spa- other spaces where you know there hasn't been another openly gay man and you know I came out after my retirement and um, you know, I'm hoping that that narrative changes and the space opens up. And you know, that's that's a huge goal of mine is to encourage that and to be a part of that change and part of that movement because we could we could be missing out on some great athletes and some great stories and some um, some things our society really needs right now. Yeah, absolutely. And especially in men's sports, um, there are you know very few openly gay athletes. And, um, you know, I give you major kudos for what you're doing, because I feel like, or at least I hope it will sort of set a precedent where there's more men, you know, there's more public figures in men's sports who start coming out. So it starts becoming less of a deal because although being gay and all things LGBT are a lot more mainstream today than they were 10 years ago, there's still in certain industries like sports, would you agree this, um, um, sort of scarlet letter around being gay within the industry, which sort of which sort of leads me to ask. Um, you had said there were certain points where you, um, particularly prior to your brother's death, where you considered coming out. Um, was there anything in particular that was there any particular reason that you held back? Meaning, such as, do you feel like it would have affected your career negatively, or do you feel like it would have sort of pigeonholed you, or like put you in a box professionally? Yeah, I mean, I think you know, I think I'm already. Um, yeah, I, I think that ultimately, I I was, you know, it, it obviously was many days and years of considering this, you know, almost on a daily basis. But um, you know, I, I thought that where is the space for this? I was already on the outside in so many ways. And, you know, from a selfish standpoint as a person who was simply trying to survive in the sport, and that's what I was doing a lot of the time, I was I was someone, you know, I was ranked top 15 in the world, but I had to break into that next barrier to be one of the best. And I, I, I thought that, you know, ultimately it... it it made me so because I had not seen how that would have been um, accepted by you know maybe another person, and I, 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 I 
you know, I tend to look to role models in life and I have my entire life. And I, 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 you know, I did always think, you know, and I, I read stories of all the athletes coming out, you know, Jason Collins and Gus, you know, who was pretty close to home in the sense that he was a skier, but, you know, in a very different format and a very different space. You know, I read these stories and it gave me so much hope and it excited me. And I, you know, I, 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 I loved it, but I also was, I, I was scared that I would never get to that because I just didn't see how it could it could work. Um, because not just with my nation, I had to you know negotiate my my space and you know my position, you know garnering World Cup starts and and all that. You know I had you know uh, close to ten different types of corporate sponsors that I didn't know how they would feel about supporting an athlete. Um, which you know, who, yeah, which know, is which, which is rough right. because and, it's um, you don't want it to affect you don't want it to have a negative impact uh, you know on your career or or your business so it's sort of like you know that right. that has to be a very like you know it, it's difficult because it's of all the different areas in your life yeah. it could affect yeah and I was you know you know I was there was you know lots of my teammates um, you know they were within they were put into the national pipeline at age 16 and you know it was they were selected at a very young age it's it's an incredibly hard process to make it i would say you know there is a big participation of alpine skiing within the country you know it's very concentrated in colorado i mean actually for your sake and um you know i actually i actually kind of consider the the prime and the development of my athletic career to have happened on the east coast as i was in Vermont for um, parts of high school at a sports academy, and then I competed at Middlebury College in Vermont. Um, there are a lot of, you know, juniors and, and um, a lot of kids, can, you know, competing in the sport on the East Coast, and then you have the California region and um, <clears throat> the Utah region. And, and so, you know, making it, getting selected to be within, uh, you know, at, there was probably only five, ten, five to ten at most of us athletes selected for this, you know, World Cup level type of scheme, you know, the chance, the statistics of getting to that point are immensely slim. You know, it's like one out of every, you know, 500 kids that grow up doing the sport make it to that level. And I just thought, if I take that chance, you know, I, I never know. I do, you know, now I can with some of the great support I've received from former teammates and coaches and, you know, the U S Federation and team USA and the Olympic committee and people who have reached out to me, you know, I do know, I do have to believe that it would have all been okay. Um, but I, I, I also, the, the work I had put in to get to that level, I just was so nervous about sacrificing that, um, and how, um, you know, I don't think if if it had if it could have potentially led to the end of my career, I think I do have to believe that I would have fought to make things right because obviously that's not an okay um, result to happen. But with my brother's death and uh, the mental issues I was going through from a you know just the more basic standpoint, I just I didn't have the energy to really believe that that was that that you know that that path was not illuminated for me to go that way at the time and I have to sit here and settle into this idea that this was the way my journey was supposed to go and I I arrived at this destination and here I am you know able to tell my story and you know progress forward and and, and you know be a role model and mentor and, and you know I've already had a lot of feedback from the great thing is from young athletes in the space that I don't even know who've reached out to me with, you know, a lot of support and, you know, there is, there are people in the space who are, you know, young kids and, you know, probably other professionals going through the same exact thing that I am. And that's the most rewarding thing is to understand that, you know, my story could, could start, you know, uh, you know, some sort of movement, get the ball rolling on, um, allowing this very, uh, traditional 
hyper masculine space um, to become uh, more inclusive. And I think on the men's side, that's definitely very necessary. But you know, also, um, you know, I think men's sport in general, um, compared to women's sports, have a have a you know we're fifty or so years behind. I would guess even normal society in terms of how we feel about um, gay athletes and, 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 you know, LGBTQ athletes in the space compared to, uh, and, and, you know, the same goes for women's skiing. You know, there's, there are no visible um, LGBTQ women as well within the World Cup circuit that I am aware of. Probably might need to fact check on that, but I, um, you know, that's been amazing to already see that these story, the story is helping people in that front. And that was a big motivation too. I've been involved in trying to be a mentor towards junior athletes my entire career um, because I relate to that really young kid who uh, just loves the sport and will do anything it takes to to get there. And I, you know, I ultimately a few weeks before I retired, I was skiing with a young group of junior athletes in my hometown and. It started to feel um, how how can I truly be um, you know these kids at my hometown they they all try to you know dress like me and wear the same clothes and skis and helmets and they, they I was their idol and I uh, I thought well, what if there, there's a little boy in this group who's just like me who just needed someone to tell him it was going to be okay and that you know he was welcome in this space because. Sports in general need to be, you know, they are. It's not the most important thing in society. We know this, but sports have a very therapeutic um, aspect to them that allow people to explore more of a raw side of themselves. That you know, an artistic form of expression and, and, and embrace, you know, their individuality and uniqueness and competitiveness, and it teaches you a lot about life. And I think I was very lucky to have a sense of maturity about it and a very supporting family and um, to continue in the sport but to think that there are a lot of kids out there and a lot of people out there who are driven away from a space that is truly you know has the, the power to be uh, very you know therapeutic and, and, and good for you in so many ways um, is a terrifying thought because I think you know in a lot of ways Skiing became, in my life, as a professional skier, in a lot of ways, there was a lot of nightmare aspects to it regarding my, you know, sexuality and, and mental health, but it, it also saved my life in a lot of ways, and it helped me to um, to be able to process uh, who I am and, and grow into this next chapter of my life. Um, so I don't want, I don't want to see other kids and, and people lose out on that opportunity that's a really good point you made because i feel like um you know with more professional athletes in men's sports coming out um it'll hopefully not deter people who want to be in the sport but are intimidated because of their sexuality um yeah so you know that was a very good point you made um i did want to ask you um out of everything that you've achieved thus far what's your um greatest accomplishment or what would you say is your greatest ac- accomplishment so far you know I, I think that the greatest thing is that I think that I was uh, just the unique journey that I had in my ability to lean into um, you know being so different from regardless of my sexuality um, so different from any of my other competitors both nationally and internationally in, in the way that I did it um, in the way that I survived doing it. Um, I think my relentlessness to, um, to make it work, uh, was something that incredibly, I'm incredibly proud of. And I've always, uh, I continue to surprise myself in the best way of like, well, I'm doing this. And I think this, that's just a really, um, amazing thing to feel in life is, is to, set a lofty goal that seems ridiculous and then you get there and it's almost surprising and shocking and I think that that was a theme throughout my my career um yeah because it's like you're proud of my take taking that 
that difficult route and um uh you know i definitely made it more difficult myself at times but leaning into that um that was 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 very cool um you know obviously the national titles is is an amazing thing to you know to always have and to always you know claim as well yeah because i mean you're really like the definition of like the underdog who came out on top (laughs) so it's you you have a great story I did want to ask, um, now I know you retired last year and you, um, what sort of came, how did the transition into finance come about and, um, what did you study at Middlebury? Um, so I, I was an economics major at Middlebury, um, and, uh, the transition to finance, you know, it came, it came pretty naturally in the sense that I, I had, um, you know, done internships within the space during, you know, on top of all the ski training I was doing, I still um, found myself doing internships and consulting and, and private equity and investment banking during my uh, college days. Um, and uh, yeah, I had a really good opportunity, you know, really good uh, opportunity to um, move into that. Uh, you know, I ultimately wanted to. There, there, that's a complicated question because I, um, <laughs> I think there was still some sort of idea of still trying to be very masculine and, and jump into a, you know a high high intensity you know finance career. Um, but I like the challenge of it. I like the competitiveness of, of that world. Um, and yeah, I was ultimately ready to start using my brain more and, and you know what I had invested in it during college. Um, but yeah, I've, I've actually, you know, resigned from that position and looking to move my career in a different way. And it was a great learning experience. Very interesting. Do you see yourself ever doing some sort of uh, staying in sports to some degree or doing some sort of like broadcast work or, you know, whatever, uh, whatever it be? Yeah, absolutely. So that's, you know, that's a big, uh, that's a big target of mine. If I, I, I've gone back to this idea of I'm a very, you know, a passion-motivated person, and I, I see that my passion lies in this space, and I think more than ever I'm realizing that <clears throat> my story and who I am as a person could be of great value to um, within the sports business and within the sports world, whether that's representing athletes um, or sports franchises or getting into, you know, the sports business side of things and or PR and, and broadcasting world. Um, you know, I want to get involved with, you know, the Olympics and, um, you know, whether it's working with Olympic athletes or within the you Olympic know, committee with, with Team USA. Um, I think that, uh, you know, I have to, uh, as I'm making a commitment to staying true to myself, I would like to also stay true to how I see my career going and, um, that's what I'm doing right now. I'm, you know, moving to Los Angeles and trying to start uh, envisioning um, building a career, getting back into into that world, and um, hoping that uh, um, I can add value there. Well, that's great. You you gave me the, it was a pleasure speaking with you because I was really excited for this interview and I wanted to like learn a lot about your backstory and. Um, you know, I think this is definitely something a lot of people could relate to, um, you know, and, and you've been so open and vulnerable and, uh, I really appreciate that. So thank you for that. No, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. It's, uh, yeah, I appreciate you taking the time and the interest in the story. You know, it's always, uh, it's, it's, it's an honor for me as well. Thank you. Our birthdays are three days apart. You're March 15th on March 12th. So it's like, it, it's always fun speaking to like another Pisces. <laughs> Uh, yeah, we're, we're complicated, huh? <laughs> In a good way. <laughs> I just... Yeah, we are, yeah. My last interview was... David, uh, David's laughing. We'll <laughs> talk about all the time. I had interviewed the uh, famous astrologer <laughs> Su- Susan Miller, and she said this is supposed to be like a good year for Pisces. So cheers to that. <laughs> Make sure to pick up the latest issue of Out in Jersey Magazine to read Will Love's monthly music memo. Find out the hottest albums available on shelves and streaming platforms now. Cheers. Cheers. <clears throat> Raising a glass to Hig Roberts and that very COVID interview. So don't you love how I had to mention that 
I had COVID. I had to preface it before we got into the interview because we weren't seeing each other and he's really hot and I didn't want him to be like, who the fuck <laughs> am I talking to? Because of the voice. Yeah. Absolutely. Oh, my voice was fucked up for an entire month from COVID. What else changed after that? I know that people have lost like smell and... Yeah, I think it affects everyone differently because I have asthma. You know, I'm already... I already get every winter whatever respiratory virus is floating around. So COVID happens to be floating around last year. I got it. Lucky. And I found out I got it. I think it was December 21st or 22nd. So it literally cock blocked all of my Christmas and New Year's plans. My favorite time of the year. And then I was interviewing Hig on New Year's Eve. So that's why I was super self-conscious because I'm like, shit. Oh, you sounded fine. Thank you. It, it, like, yeah, a little bit. It was of a very, it sounded like by default, it was a very emotional interview just because of my voice. But then we, once we got into the subject matter, it just got more emotional. Definitely the more serious, like thought provoking of interviews. You have to give him props. I just love how all these people in sports are finally coming out because let's face it, we all knew being in high school about like a good percentage of like the jocks were like gay or at least bi. And it's just good that, I mean, that so many like professional athletes now are coming out and making it be more mainstream. And I think because all these athletes have such a huge following that it's very important because, you know, like you want the fans to feel comfortable to be themselves in their own personal life. It's just unfortunate that like, let's separate the two. Like I'm an athlete who just so happens to be gay, that does not affect my ability to perform at my job. You know, exactly. That I've, that I've just trained at my whole life, you know? Well, what I like about it is the fact that he touched on something that, like, is is the obvious. A lot of the management in, like, sports are encouraging their clients. It's like, okay, you could be gay, but maybe not come out because you're going to lose endorsements. You know, they don't want to be affected financially, but that creates what we've had for so long is everyone staying in the closet because they're afraid they're going to lose business deals. Right. If all these people start coming out like they are now, no one's really going to lose any business deals. And like, look in the music industry now. You have like Lil Nas X and right. like all these out artists. And it's, I feel like gay is almost cool now. Like it's cool to have like a token gay friend. Oh, you were ahead of the curve. <laughs> I mean, when I was in high school, it definitely, I mean, fast forward just over 10 years ago, I mean, it definitely was not in, yeah. you know, now it's like in to have like a token gay friend, you know, like you're not considered gay if you have like a gay friend. Do you know what I mean? It's like you're, it's not like gay by association. <laughs> exactly. Which I'm so glad about because I just feel I'm glad that it's all becoming mainstream now because the whole societal pressure factor like butchered to. I don't know if we'd call them relationships, but so there were like two guys, one in particular where we had like met and it started out as like a hookup thing, mm -hmm. but then like feelings got involved and it, it was just weird because it felt like you, we were basically dating on the DL. It felt like we were dating and he, but he wasn't coming out. Mm -hmm. And the more emotionally invested he got, the more like the next week he wanted to break up the following week he'd be like oh i love you and blah 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 and messaging me all day at wow. work and yeah so and i knew it was because of his family and it just sucks because we, there was so much sexual attraction there was so much physical and then it kind of and it became romantic had, like that chemistry and we had the chemistry yes exactly yeah and it would have worked out um but it didn't because you know, like he fell into the societal oppression and it sucked because we had so much chemistry. And I've been on both ends of the spectrum. Like I've been on the side where I was in like this like closet relationship that ended up going really, really deep. And I ended it because, okay, this is not going to go anywhere. You don't want to come out. And I want something serious and I want some substance out of my life. So I ended it. But then I've been on the opposite end of the spectrum where like he pulled away because he didn't want to deal with how deep and emotionally invested he became. Mm -hmm. So it, it's, and it, I, I wish I came out earlier. I mean, I came out at, I had just turned 20, I believe. So I came out like 19, 20 on the cusp. 
And I wish I came out like four years before then. I wish I, uh, to be fucking honest, I wish I came out at 15 because I almost think in a weird way, high school may have been easier hmm. to some degree. And I mean, I obviously I was bullied and shit, but maybe I would not have been bullied if I was less to myself and more honest and I would have had whoever, whatever friends attracted to, you know, that. So did you know, like, did you come to the realization that you were gay before high school? I definitely knew uh, sophomore year, freshman going in the sophomore year that summer, I definitely knew. And during high school, I got hit on by a few like pretty hot guys, like when it was just us. But I was like, because I was bus- bullied, I didn't know if it was a test or not. So I didn't really act on it. But there were like two in particular that were really interested in me, but I just didn't do anything. And in hindsight, I'm Wait, like, did fuck. You, did you? <laughs> I just, you know what I mean? I just wish I came out earlier. And I feel bad yeah. for like all these other people and like some of that I, I've known that, you know, I was involved with that are like 20s going to 30s. And then there are even other people out there who are like in their late 30s going to 40s or even 50s. And they're not out yet. And I just don't understand. Like you're doing a disservice to yourself because you're wasting your youth. You're wasting your prime and any meaningful relationships or friendships that you could build with people who are like yourself. Yeah. So I don't understand it, but I do hope that people like Hig Roberts and all these athletes, you know, being open and honest now, I hope that just changes everything. Paves away. Yeah. I mean, I, I know it's not easy. Because I was, fans follow. Right. Know? I was like the other side of that coin. So in high school, a person that I was very close to, he came out to me. Wow. And I had a huge crush on I was in love oh, with Oh, really? Boy. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> I loved him so much. And... But I'm also a Libra, so <laughs> I got over it pretty quickly. <laughs> but let so me tell you. So you're a good person. Well, no, he came out to me and I was like very involved in like church and just very Christian. And I wasn't, I was never like, like anti-gay, right? That was never something that I looked at and said, oh, why would you want to live that lifestyle? Like they're just, we're not going to go into it. But we can see it. You can just turn the TV on and you'll, you'll yeah. see it on any channel. So I wasn't that. I was more like if this is what you love and this is what you want, then live your life. Like live your best life. Live your happiest life. But when he came out, it was different. It was just like, oh, no. <laughs> like I like you so much. And Did you stay friends? Now, well, I think I messed it up. I really think I fucked Aww. it up because like. I, I made it about me like he had his moment where he opened up to me and he, you know, admitted this. And I don't know if I was like the first person he came out to or but I just I was like, ah, oh, this sucks. You know, he's just like, what? Yeah, <laughs> <It's just> like, <laughs> I was like stupid and naive and young. And, you know, like I, I wish I could like we didn't stay friends. We 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 stayed friends for a little bit. And then we moved on, like kind of like just how life does, you know, yeah. during high school, after high school. But funny enough, a guy that I, another guy I was crushing on. So he was like my friend, but I liked him, but I more like loved him. A guy that I was crushing on was also gay. Oh, but he shit. was out. But he was out and he had like a boyfriend and everything. Anyway, long story short. You're like my friend that I went to we high school took- with. Everyone that she ends up having a crush on is gay. Oh, my gosh. We actually so shared many. the same crush, and I found out earlier this year he's gay. Oh, that's awesome. Well, Because I, I saw him on Grindr. <laughs> well, that, well, that's a different story for another recap. Um, yeah. But the thing is, I uh, we took a trip together. We did, like, a, for, for uh, when I was, like, 16, we did a Europe trip. Oh, um, nice. Through the high school. And they both was on the trip. Uh, so they started dating. So they kind of met through me, I want to say, and they started dating and they were like really cute in this relationship. And I was just there like loving both of them. Like I want. (laughs) Wow. Not only are you an interior designer, which we'll save that for another show, but you're a matchmaker. uh, Supposedly. So I'm happy that, you know, they had each other, (laughs) but I I did make it about myself. So I guess the point of me bringing that up is like you should you should have a safe space to come out when you want to to whomever you want and um i'm just glad that like now more public figures have just made it just like do it just like come out but it's also like don't feel pressure to do it just because you know you feel like you have to take a stance or justify why you're a certain way or why you love someone yeah and there's just so many layers to it now like there's just all all across like the community 
there, there's some people can't explain who they are or put a label on it. So if you need to take your time to, you know, really focus on this is who I am, this is what I identi identify as, then you take your time. And you know what? If somewhere down the line you've decided, no, I, I've actually moved on and progressed into this new version of myself. Yeah. You know, that's okay too. You know, and so I hope that there are more platforms created where people can just come out um, and, and speak to be true to themselves. Because like you said, it would kind of make things, maybe make you, things simpler. Do you feel like bisexuality is accepted more for females than it is for males? I feel like for males, it's like, oh, you're bisexual. If you're open about it, they automatically consider you gay. gay. Yeah. Gay, but you're trying to like come out light, yeah. you know? Yeah, I think that for females, it might be well what what we think back to like pop culture and it was like hot you know like what a girl wants to kiss the girl and yeah she's like oh that's hot so i think it's like overly sexualized it is like very overly sexualized it's like this is this is what i'm attracted to but and and also i think on on the other side of that it's you're bisexual but you've never dated a girl and it's oh like, i know no yeah. what like, no, I'm attracted to who I'm attracted to. Yeah, like, there's just, and I was reading, when I came out years ago, I was I was also, when I started college, I took so many psychology classes. Abnormal psychology, general psychology, sexual psychology, I took everything, because I've, as sociology, I was always fascinated with that. Um, but I would we read studies where they, like all these doctors were do, doing long studies, like years, decades long worth, and they've come up with like, 80% of the world is probably bisexual. That does not mean it's 50-50. You could be right. maybe 90%. You could be like a female and 90% into men, but 10% into women. Same thing with a, like a male. You could be like, you know, 90% into women, but 10% into male. You know what I mean? Like, it, That's how I, I identify as 10% bisexual. <laughs> yeah, and it's like, it's, I just can't wait till that part's normal. Although, to be honest with you, I think with all this trans shit now, everyone thinks gay's a lot more normal. <laughs> <laughs> All right, we're going to clink. <laughs> oh, man. Cheers, Cheers. to that. <laughs>